old gold. I swear, we've been doing the show for 30 years, and we got to bring the gold every once in a while here live on the show, huh? Yeah, you uh, you love your dad, right? The old <laughs> gold. Makes you happy. Hey, welcome back. Living the Good Life show here, live in beautiful Texas. Heard coast to coast as usual. Now 30, 30 years, Pop, celebrating, huh? Yeah, special uh, shout out this morning to our buddy uh, Fred Trainer at the ESPN WBBG Steel Town. How about those Steelers looking up at the Eagles record? <laughs> uh, we got a great guest coming your way here. First of all, former NFL player, running back, return specialist. He's probably still faster than you and me combined. Faster than lightning. Faster than most people. Um, but he played for the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Chiefs. The I mean, pretty cool stuff. It's, I wish I could ever. I could say oh, I played in the NFL. Wow! Never will that happen. That's a huge milestone. Someone who needs no introduction, and he's got he's got a, just an awesome uh, career, but also he's just got something on his mind, and he's doing some great things here with some great people out out there right now. John Vaughn, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Doing great, John. Pleasure to have you on the air with us. Yes, yes, I appreciate it. I'm a little jealous of the weather, but um, is it is it know, cold? How cold is it in Michigan right now? <laughs> right now, it says uh, feels like temperature is 34 and kind of sleeting. Oh, damn. Well, I'm fighting 85 degrees here in uh, Frisco today. <laughs> right, right, right. But luckily, my roommate in college sent me a text late last night and said, it's going to be 70 this weekend. Nice. We got to get a tea time. I'm like, yeah, every 70 day I try to get out there. Good oh, for at you. least above 50. I love Good it. For you. I love it. Well, you know, first of all, I got to ask you: um, do you do you still follow the game NFL football? I do, I do, I do. Um, yeah. okay. This is probably the hardest time of the year because I'm juggling football, baseball playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and then now you got football five days a week. I know, I know, pretty much, huh? It's crazy where things have changed since you played back in the day. Yes. Actually, let me ask you a question before we get into some other things. You know, we've we've interviewed so many great players over the years and, and uh, from current, you know, right now playing to guys who have played, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I'm just curious, um, you know, what's your opinion on so many changes that we have seen over the last X amount of decades you know whether uh, you can't you know you can't hit a quarterback anymore. The way you tackle things like that. What's your opinion on that? Um, I definitely think the game has changed, um, probably for the better. Okay. Um, I think CTE has, you know, ex- exploded into the consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like a lot of you know, I've had a lot of guys in my era that I knew dearly that either, you know, that have committed suicide mm. or, you know, have to write notes in the morning mm. to figure out their day. Yeah. So I think the game is safer. Yeah, um, no, I get it. I get it. But sure. we're bigger, stronger, faster. So to me, the game is still exciting. And technology with the way the camera angles and whatnot, I yeah. think it's still entertaining. And I still love the game. But, yeah, it's totally different. When you were a kid, though, like – uh high school days, junior high. I mean, did you always want to play football? I mean, you were a sprinter too, right, in high school? 
Yeah, oddly enough, I didn't play football to my sophomore year in high school. I played soccer from second grade. Like, that was my first love. It's always been my first love, soccer. Uh Um, I happened to see Pele um, when I was a young kid. And from then on, I always had a ball at my feet. Um, And then, yeah. And so I actually... You know, oddly enough, I was still playing soccer while I was playing football. Mm. In the off season, I'd play indoor or outdoor. It was just a game I've always loved. And I think that helped me to not be, you know, like I know guys that started playing football from like age of five. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you could just see that wear and tear and, you know, knock on wood, you know, no knee injuries, you know, no hip injuries. Um, a little bit of the arthritis here and there, but um, I think because I played so many different sports, it helped keep me, you know, healthy during my NFL career. Right, right. And prior to the NFL, uh, it was at Michigan or Michigan State? Michigan. It was at Big Michigan. Blue. Yes. Yeah. Big Blue. Wolverine. And hey, let me ask you, let's get into this a little bit here and uh, for all of our listeners because <laughs> – You've been on a mission now uh, with a, a new movement, if you will, and I'm really interested to, to learn more and learn you know, your story and share it with all of our listeners, since especially you uh, launched a, a global movement, if you will, to fight sexual assault predators. Talk a little bit about this whole thing. So it all came about, um, I found out two weeks after my 50th birthday in March of 2020 that there was a doctor that was at the University of Michigan and Dr. Robert Anderson that um, all of the exams that we were getting um, was essentially sexual sexual assault and digital rape. Um, We would get, from the time we stepped on the campus in exams, he would give us prostate cancer screening exams and testicular cancer screening exams. And, you know, come to realize that there's no reason for an 18 year old to ever have a prostate exam unless there's pre-existing condition. Yeah. And he was able to flourish as a doctor at the University of Michigan for over 40 years. Mm. And, um, you know, tremendous amount of collateral damage came from that era and his treatments because so many guys that I personally know just stop going to the doctor. They were just uncomfortable. Hmm. And, you know, you got guys dealing with prostate cancer, other cancers. Um, it was a very uh, insidious culture because there were times where he was reported because he was a doctor, not only in the athletic program, but the health services that you had been reported um, for, you know, inappropriate behavior, let's say. And he could have been stopped at several different times, but he lived out his entire career uh, from 1966 to 2003 at the University of Michigan. So, um, you know, just to, you know, when I found out it really kind of destroyed the foundation from going from a young, you know, teenage boy to manhood and all the things that I was taught because, you know, the university, the coaches, the athletic department covered up a serial rapist. Hmm. And, and not to cut you off, but it's interesting because I am now 40, what am I, 42 now? And I have not had a prostate check yet. 
or one of those ch- uh, screenings, which means I probably should. I think they said if, when you turn 40, you should probably start doing that. But I bring that up because 40 is a big number compared to 18 or age 20, 19. So Absolutely. what was this? Well, I mean, what one, what was the doctor thinking? And two, why would the school or anyone affiliated, you know, the coaching staff or whatever, allow that to happen? You know, you know I, I have really no idea why he was protected. Um, Interesting. You know, at, at, at all. And, you know, to be frank, at 18, I didn't even know what a prostate was. Right. But I knew what cancer was because my mother had breast cancer my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. So for me, these exams, and mind you, at that time, we couldn't see any other doctor but Dr. Robert Anderson. So I never saw my childhood pediatrician again. Mm. Is I was terrified of cancer. So, yeah, whatever I need to do to not only get on the field, but then to also not have cancer, yeah. I just did. Because I wanted to become a Michigan man. Like, that was the drive um, to live up to not only your teammates and – but also the legacy of Michigan football. When did you when did you start one solidarity? Um, and when did you obviously? Uh, I think it was in twenty twenty one, just last year, where you really made a stand. Yeah, a little bit over a year ago, October eighth, mm-hmm. um, I decided to camp out in, in in front of the the University of Michigan's president's house. Because we weren't being heard, and, you know, we were being villainized, and the Board of Regents, the Office of the President, they weren't speaking to us as victims. Um, and then you're looking at several thousand individuals that were harmed by this doctor and the cover-ups um, within the institution. And so as I, you know, basically slept in a tent and then a camper, I would hear stories from other victims and then other students. And uh, it started to dawn on me that, you know, just like, let's say, cancer doesn't discriminate, sexual assault, sexual violence doesn't discriminate. It's not a fem- just a female issue or a male issue. It's a human issue. Mm-hmm. And we needed to stand together in solidarity. And it just so happens that one of my dearest friends in the world is one of the most outspoken Larry Nassar victims. And the one thing that we always talk about is we stand together because it's going to take solidarity to go up against these Goliath organizations. And so it literally over the last two or three months, I started thinking about my, um, I'd already been nominated for the humanitarian award by global sports development. Yep. But I was looking at what can I do with my own nonprofit, but on, you know, more of a movement. And, you know, in a 24 hour period, you know, you're online and I'm building a website and I'm doing all these things, creating logos. And then one solidarity just hit me. And then oddly enough, one solidarity.org was available as a URL and all of the other, uh, you know, dot com and all that. And I said, you know, this is it. 
Yeah. And I think it resonates with so many people because I think we all need to have one voice because typically in these sexual assault or sexual violence cases, the institutions protect the um, perpetrators and they try to villainize or create monikers of Jane or John Doe, which is faces, nameless voices, victims. So this is a way for us to, you know, get our voices, you know, heard. When you when you protested, I mean, I got to assume you were trying to make noise, right? Trying to get people's attention. And because I unfortunately, I, I did not know about this. And I'm so thrilled to have, have you on to share it with all of our listeners. You know, I, I remember how many years back the whole Sandusky issue. But this mm-hmm. is this is just as bad. I mean, yeah, this is uh, actually really worse. worse. Be- this is actually worse, yeah. in my opinion, you because you're yeah, you're being completely taken advantage of. You know, absolutely. Well, and the, you know things that you know, like the general public didn't know, for instance. Yeah, like Larry Nasser, who was the U.S. gymnastics and Michigan State doctor. Yeah did his student training at the University of Michigan under Dr. Robert Anderson in the football program. So all of these, you know, atrocities were connected. And even a trainer at Michigan did his internship under Strauss at Ohio State, which is mired in a scandal. Mm -hmm. And so really it was just to get awareness of Michigan and these universities do a very good job of what they call the blue wall. And they squel, you know, they they really tamper down media coverage, especially when it comes to the scandals that exist within those organizations. Yeah, the ESPNs, the Fox Sports, you know, the different networks don't want to lose access, so they don't cover the, you know, these atrocities. I mean, you're looking at a doctor that at a minimum committed over 30,000 instances of sexual assault and rape. Wow. Yeah, it, it's sad because you like you said, I mean the big organizations, it's like uh it's just uh one won't do what, you know, because the other one won't and and unfortunately with when that happens, it's like the nothing will nothing comes to fruition and that's sad. That's a that's a sad thing, which is why I'm thrilled to have you on and uh, obviously try to get word out there. Go ahead, Pop. Well, you know what comes to my mind is uh, money, politics, recruitment, mm-hmm. recruitment, more money. Yep. These universities. I mean, if this yeah. came out, who would want to go to the University of Michigan, right? Right. Well, and I, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. It's it's almost it's almost a syndicate of abuse that starts to happen. Like they become criminal organizations yeah. and the brands that fund them are basically funding the terrorism of rape. Yeah. And, w- and we must be very candid about the climate that we're in, that if you are showering millions of dollars in a billion dollar industry, mm-hmm. you're going to protect that brand at all costs. And the thing that is so disheartening in these situations is you don't have great programs or great coaches without great players. And so for the players to be victims and survivors of these atrocities and then for you to basically cast them aside, it 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 it, it, it makes it more 
of a travesty of justice than, you know, you're taught to, you know, in, in, in all sports, you're taught to, you know, do film studies, study your opponent, correct your mistakes. That's why you practice. Well, why in this situation, obviously, wrongdoing was done. Why not admit it? Stop trying to rewrite history and erase these atrocities. Why not take the stance of, okay, we had this happen. Here's what we're going to do so that it never happens again, instead of covering up as if it never happened. Right. Like I can never not go to the University of Michigan. You know. No, I hear you. Crazy. Uh, now, for all of our listeners, um, how how do they find out more information on the co- your cause and and everything here, the mission behind this? I mean, uh, do they go to onesolidarity.org? Yeah, onesolidarity.org is um, we're growing that site okay. uh, every day, and then uh, my partnership with Pave, which is promoting awareness, victim empowerment. ShatteringTheSilence.org okay. is uh, Angela's website, and then also Global Sports Development, and I will uh, be on those websites. Okay, be looking at um, you know launching my Twitter and my Instagram, Facebook pages, as well as you can go to HailToTheVictims.com and see a 15-minute short documentary on why I went out that campus and what the mission and the goal was to just make that campus and other campuses safer um, and in a better place than what was left for us. Yeah. You're brilliant. Yep. Uh, doing great. great things there, John. Um, kudos to you, obviously, and all your, uh, your entire team and partnerships, but uh, you great, know, I, great work there. I, I've got no facts on this. I bear this strictly from my opinion, sitting here listening uh, to John, but this has got to be so widespread everywhere. Yeah, N- not just Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan. Yeah, it's got to be all over the place. It's got to be all over the place. Hey, John. Uh, not to change the subject, but uh, I know that you're a golfer. Do you ever get back to uh, Frisco out here in Texas? I, I do. I'm. Um, I was a member at uh, ICC Cigar Industrial Cigars. Okay, right there on the tollway, and <laughs> um, we used to play. At Plantation Golf Course, yeah, every Sunday morning, and I am so looking forward to getting back. <laughs> hopefully, sometime this fall, okay, to play with the guys and just play some golf in Dallas. Well, I we want to play golf with you. We uh, absolutely, and also, you know, we're, we're known to have a, a long standing with seventeen years now. We have a celebrity golf tournament in Los Angeles, but our first debut, the premier event here in Dallas, will be next summer. So I want you to stay in touch with us, and hopefully we get you to play. Absolutely. I'm in. I am in. <laughs> so one last question. Uh, who are you rooting for in the NFL to uh, make it to the Super Bowl? <sighs> I will tough. tell you what, man. Buffalo and Philadelphia just look really good. Like, I yeah. think they're built for the long term, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that doesn't I'm mean that they're counting out the champs in Tampa Bay and – you know, Kansas City or anything, but something about those two teams look like they're here to stay. No doubt about well, it. We'll give you one tip for the weekend. Uh, don't forget the New York uh, Giants. That's and, my team. And the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> I don't know about the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, how about those Cowboys? Oh, jeez. 
Jeez Louise. Hey, John, thanks again for everything, man. We'll talk real soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Look forward to the playing some golf soon. All right. All right, man. John Vaughn, ladies and gentlemen. It's a hell of a story. Unbelievable. OneSolidarity.org. Check it out. Join the movement. Taking and living the old hard way. Taking and giving my day by day. I did snow and rain and a bright sunshine. Taking the land.